This is Deborah Smart, your One Smart Lady in Publishing. I hope you can see my smile as you listen to my voice. We end the month of November's theme, Leaving a Legacy, with one more story from one of the wonderful individuals that I have met along the way. There are so many entrepreneurs who have worked hard building a business affecting many individuals as well as small and large businesses because of their passion and their vision. So without further delay, here is Deanna Garlic, CEO and publisher of Stay Focus Magazine and founder of Focus Plans, LLC. Well, good afternoon or good morning, whatever time you may be listening. My name is Deanna Garlic and I am with Stay Focus Magazine. I am the director. Stay Focus Magazine is a nonprofit corporation and we were established with our 501c3 in 2017. But let me give you a little bit more of a background as to how it all came about. And we started off as Focus Plants. A lot of um, uh, friends, family, followers, they know us um, from our initial start as Focus Plans, which Focus stands for From Our Creators, Universal Strategies, Evolve Destiny. Now, we still hold to that acronym um, of, of being focused, meaning that, that everyone, God has given everyone a specific passion or purpose in life or, or something that you really love to do. And you can use that into creating your business. So we started off as doing um, strictly just a coaching business, and then it evolved and morphed into um, now we also do everything that we do is faith-based. Everything that we do is Christian. And that's why we have our nonprofit status. Our charitable purpose is to help those who may be in what we call middle-class poverty, meaning one or two paychecks away from being homeless. Now, it may sound like something that is outside of ourselves. You know, we we um, hang in social circles with people who all have their own home or live in their own home. But even within those social circles, we can find people who may have lost their home at one time or another. So what we look to do is to help people to build businesses and help them to build strong, sustainable businesses. And we do it by coaching and we do it by classes or workshops. Um, and we also do it through our magazine. Now, the first magazine that we did was, oh my gosh, it was in May of 2011. I know it sounds like it was so long and so far uh, away from now. But I had said to a friend earlier that year that mm, one day I want to have a magazine. And sometimes you say something to the wrong person or, or really the right person because they put you right on that path to do it now or to get it done. And, and this friend helped me and assisted me in getting the very first and, and a few issues after that uh, magazine, a Stay Focus magazine completed and we launched. Um, and that conversation took place in February. And we launched the first um, print magazine in on May 7th, 2011. When dates are important, you will remember them, <laughs> okay? And that was a very important day uh, for me because it was the beginning of something that I had, you know, just in the back of my mind that I wanted to do one day, not for myself. I think that's very important 
to emphasize that I didn't want to have a magazine because I want to be, quote unquote, this magazine owner. I wanted to have a magazine because I felt like all the people that I was working with in reference to businesses, nonprofits and churches, we all need to operate in the same way. You all need to operate in a, a business way. And we you all have finances that you have to um, to stay abreast of. You have marketing that you have to do. You have um, customers that you have to serve. So all of the information that I wanted to give to um, these different people, we could put now in one place into Stay Focused Magazine. So we have been doing that since 2011, even with the changeover of the, the business, it was more or less 2016 or 17 because we took a sabbatical starting in 2015 where we stopped um, doing the magazine. We still continue with a lot of coaching and supporting to businesses, but we had a baby. So in 2015, we stopped and we did not relaunch until we reorganized and refocused ourselves. And we relaunched in January of 2019. And we have been operating the magazine every quarter since then. So with Stay Focused Magazine, we have one of the things that I really love about the magazine and a part of it that has grown is writing stories about people. Uh, we write stories about people who own their own business. Uh, we um, write stories about people who are authors. We try in every issue to ha have a a book review because our audience, we feel strongly, is writers, authors, and small business owners. That is the main audience that we serve. And those who are also uh, leaders within the Christian and faith community. So some of the um, things that we, that, so that's our background. That's how we got started. And, and I want to emphasize that it was, and it still is, a process. It is a process of going from one thing to the next, to the next. Because I feel like if God would have told me everything that I would be doing today, I would say, oh, no, God, not me. You got the wrong one. Let me tell you some of the other things that we do. Okay, so the magazine is one. And as I was talking with Deborah earlier, I said, you're always thinking of both the past magazine because it's what people have right now in front of them. And they're talking to you about it. And then um, whatever. So whatever is current and out there and in their hands. And then also the future, but not just the next quarter, but even the quarter after that. So that is a, is a, a constant. But in addition to doing the magazine, we do business coaching. Um, we do a lot of startup businesses. And we also work with businesses that are already established. One of the main things we do is administrative management. Um, we try to help people get extremely organized so that they can work more efficiently in the business that they run and that they operate. Because people usually do their business very well. They know all the ins and outs and the details about the, the business of what they want to do. But then you also have a back office. And so that's where we can be kind of considered a back office and, um, and marketing for small businesses. And we also do a writer's retreat. We've been doing the writer's retreat since about 2013. We did our first virtual writer's retreat in 2020. And we um, elected not to host one in 2021, though it went very well. And we're looking to host a virtual writer's retreat in 2022. 
Um, but the writers retreat has has been annual. We have had um, several different keynote speakers um, come in, and and as well as workshop and class leaders. We have a website stayfocusedwritersretreat.com where you can see all of our past keynote speakers with their bio. And you can also see our past um, speakers who have given um, classes and workshops. So what you'll see there, as far as the workshop descriptions, what you'll see is from 2020. So that's the last ones that we have listed. Um, but we always have information there about our location, where we're going. So we've held the retreat at hotels. We've hosted it at a church. And um, we've hosted it most recently even at a, a retreat house um, in Violin, New Jersey. And then lastly, we posted it online. And we really feel that God gave us that because People work very hard, people who are in ministry, people who are small business owners, and the retreat is, it is an educational opportunity, but in addition to that, it's also an opportunity to tell people to take some time to yourself or take some time off. Yes, believe it or not, we need to do that sometime. Take some time off, relax regroup, you know, just, you know, get yourself together and get focused. Um, so that's what the retreat is all about. And we love um, the atmosphere that the retreat creates. And I say that the, re well, I'm going to say that God creates with the retreat because the people who come have been, oh, just waiting for something like this. And then you meet other people who have been waiting for something like this. And together, we absolutely have a ball. Um, we have a good time and enjoying one another's company. And we have a good time in relaxing. And it is most certainly a good learning opportunity where people who have been engaged in classes all day and taking notes. And now you have more information that you can just jot down about, okay, what's your next project? So that's what, a lot of what goes on at the retreat. And sometimes we have people there who are working on their first book. And we also have people there who may be working on their second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth book. So it doesn't matter uh, what level of writing that you are. Um, you can be at any level of writing and get something from out of the retreat. I, I like to say it's a lot like sitting in church where you all hear the same message, but you apply it to your life just a little bit different because we're all, you know, different people, but you, um, you feel good about it. You feel good about it. That's what the retreat has been like. So we're looking forward to doing that again for writers in 2020. I'm sorry, 2022, <laughs> 2022. So another thing that we have is our prayer broadcast. We've been doing the prayer broadcast for about three years and it initially started, uh, we were hosting um, prayer once a week in our office and it was an in-person prayer. We went and it was for business owners and it still is for business owners to come together and for us to pray together, to support one another, to pray for one another. And then we um, started to do it on the phone. Like if you weren't able to make it there, you know, you have winter come around and then it starts to get late and dark early, all these different kinds of things. So if you weren't able to come and be in person with us, you could be on the phone where we have some people in person, some people on the phone. And then 2020 came, right? So we all had to do something different. So with that, and I had already um, had people whispering in my ear, you should do this online. You should do this live. You should. So that's what we did. And, and starting in January of, um, has it been that long? Let me see. Was it 2021? 
for 2020. Well, I know it started in January. You can go back and look at all of the reviews because they are all there live. Um, but every Wednesday, so we're in the middle of the week, in the middle of the day, of the day, Wednesday, one o'clock Eastern Standard Time, we come on live and we pray. Um, so before the prayer, we do give a brief word. We read from the Bible. We expound on that. And our main objective is to pray. We take prayer requests. Uh, we pray primarily for those who own their own business, those who are writers and authors. We really feel that they are in that same group of people who own their own business. And we pray for church leaders, for pastors, ministers, especially now that church is being done so differently and that everybody had to pivot, everybody had to shift um, in order to, to maintain, in order to stay, um, I'm, I'm going to say, you know, above water. Um, and where we know that some businesses have closed, we know that some churches have closed. It, it doesn't, you know, always have to be. If you can pivot, if you can get enough people together to help you and to support you, and, and that's what our prayer is all about, making sure that people are working on building their team and maintaining their, um, their business. So we pray for business owners at that time. Another thing that we do <laughs> is, and this is even more recently, is our book club. We had, again, been talking about the book club for a while um, before we actually launched it, but our book club launched in November of last year. And when we launched the book club, did we initially start it online? Yes, we started the book club online because like I said, we launched it in November of 2020 because it had already been in the process we're in the works of what we would do. And we meet every second Thursday of the month on Zoom. And for the very first time, we did in August, we did meet in person. So some people had not really seen one another because some, even though we're on Zoom, some people do call in. We have one or two people that call in so we don't see their face. Not for that reason, but that's just what they do. And then we have others who are on Zoom and everybody doesn't always have their picture up or available. You might be driving or whatever have you. So we met Met on um, we met in person in August and it was a wonderful meeting and we have a it is a group of women right now the book club is open to anyone who would like to join men women um, the people within the group select the book uh, and it is facilitated by a volunteer Avis Marcus and it is co-facilitated by myself but Avis does a wonderful job. So I just try to keep up with her and all the other women in the group. And we have a good time reading books and conversating. So it's for the person who loves to read. It's also for the person who loves to write and, and who wants to author a book. Because one of the things that we always say to people who want to become an author, you also have to be a reader. If you want to become a better writer, you have to be more avid with your reading. You have to read more so that your vocabulary is built so that your your um your experience you gain more experience when you read more and plus you go on adventures when you read more and I'm, I'm actually I'm not the type of person who likes to read fiction but when it comes up <laughs> when it comes up in a book club I say you know what I'm gonna take one for the team and then <laughs> But you get to see, you know, different people's personalities, too, because when you write your book, you want to be thinking about who is your audience? 
Who are you actually writing to? Who do you want to get this book in front of? And you need to know what people like and what people don't like. So if you're, and I'm, I'm the type of person that I like to read books on leadership. I like to read books on, on um, training and educational things that's going to build me up as more as a, as a minister. I'm a, a minister at my, at my church and I'm just a minister in life, a minister of the gospel. So I want to read more books like that. Um, and more books that's going to give me leadership skills and. So that's where I am with my reading. But again, sometimes you got to do it. You got to take one for the team and you'll just be a little <laughs> and you, you actually um, you actually be a lot better off for it. And you'll you'll really appreciate you have an appreciation. That's what I have learned to gain an appreciation for other uh, genres of writing. And I did want to mention, I am not currently an author that we have published many magazines and written many articles, but I am right now a part of an anthology of women who are writing their story. The anthology itself is called Breaking the Silent and Remove the Mask and Heal. And you can't be successful unless you have first healed. We need to heal from a lot of different things in our lives. So you need to find out what is it that you need to heal from? What do you need to heal from? What is it that um, only God can help you heal? God is the ultimate healer. What has he brought you through? What has he brought you from? What has he brought you out of that has made you a better person today? You're all the better because of the experience, whether it was a bad, a horrible, detestable, a unbelievable experience, whatever it was, he brought you out of it and he healed you. And now you're a better person for it. Look for that when you, you see um, Breaking the Silence, Remove the Mask and Heal coming very soon. What in your background as a little girl helped you grow to move into Focus Plan? I want people to, to take a deep dive and take mm -hmm. a look at why they are who they are today because that is the that is really the way we help others know that we just didn't wake up one morning and boom so and as i've said many many times i've been telling stories since i could open my mouth and talk <laughs> you know and listening i learned my listening skills from listening to my elders sitting on the porches in germantown so what little teeny things drew you to wanting to want number one um you know what is your corporate or work background you know what what really gave you that yeah i can do this and step out on on faith that you you could do a business well i grew up in a low-income family my parents were both married mm, they stayed married for 50 years okay which is was an awesome example to me and to my siblings and I have, at the time of growing up as a little girl, there was five of us. I, and, and I was the youngest of five. So I felt like a lot that I know in life, I learned from my siblings. And I am grateful to that. Um, a lot of times, <laughs> I learned what not to do. <laughs> because I learned what things will get you a whooping. Okay, I don't know what they call it now. I know they say spanking. We ain't call it that. A whooping, a beating. I learned that <laughs> um, at a very young age. So when you are seeing things, you know, growing up, you make decisions about your life. You make decisions about what you want to do and what you want to be. Um, and I didn't have a, a clear focus or a clear idea 
of what I wanted to be. But I did know two things. I knew two things. I knew that I wanted to be in business for myself. And I also knew that I wanted to help people. And that just the desire to help people has always been with me. And I can't really, I'm trying to think of maybe an example I could share with you. Well, something um, comes to me, I'll I'll share it with you uh, as far as being um, a a young girl and helping people. But you know, I think that is more a part of my personality and it's just more a part of who I am that I help people because people tell me all the time, oh, you do so much for this person. Oh, you do so much for that person. And I feel like I'm just being me. I'm just being who I am. And I'm just being who God created me to be because I feel like God has created each and every one of us in a specific way with um, a specific experience. And, And all of that plays into who we become later in life. So I think it's important to understand or to know that I grew up in a low income family and I will almost say poverty, but you know, me being the youngest, my siblings have a different idea of poverty than me. And then even my parents and growing up, they have a totally different idea of poverty. And I mean, experiencing poverty than what, what we did, because obviously my parents had were had more and was able to do more financially than their own parents. And so the, the story goes on with um, myself and my siblings than our, than our own parents. But actually seeing that and experiencing that, I remember this one time um, being in college and, and I was the first one um, in my family to graduate with a college degree, with a bachelor's degree. Um, but I remember being in college and having to, was it in college? Wait a minute. Yeah, we were writing about because I took in college. I I I did um, a lot of so I did um, sociology. So we had to write about the depression, and we had to interview uh, someone maybe who has ex- experienced it or lived through it. So I interviewed my mother, and I remember her saying, "We were always poor, so there was no difference in how they lived when once the depression came. It wasn't really." They didn't they didn't feel it the way that mainstream America felt it because poverty was already a part of their life. So when I heard that, because I really didn't know to what extent um, that my parents grew up in poverty until you start to ask questions and they start to share with you. And I think that's very important that we as adults that we share with young people our experience, because sometimes they think that we have always just been there. They think that we were, we just have always, we always arrived and, and no, it is a process and it is a, a coming into that I think took place in my own life. So knowing about, um, poverty, I feel like my, my father worked my, my entire life and, and as well as my siblings entire life. He, he worked, um, I'm going to say, I think 36 years um, before he retired at the same job. Um, but even in having a full-time job and my mom worked from time to time, um, we still was a low-income family. It was like, it still just, it just still wasn't enough. I don't know if it was because we lived in New Jersey 
and things cost more <laughs> in New Jersey. That could be a small part of it. But generally, when you when wherever you live, the the work and the jobs should provide you with livable and stable wages to live in the location of where where you are. So experiencing that and seeing that I have always wanted to help people who were just making it, who were like just, you know, working very hard, but still struggling. And I, and I think that's where um, I came to the vision that God had given me to help people in middle-class poverty. Because if you were to look up the numbers for middle-class, it would be extreme uh, as far as the, the income and the median income. You know, it would be, I, I don't have the, the current, the most current data right now, but it could be somewhere from, you know, a family with $50,000 to uh, making $200,000. Okay, come on, those families are extremely different from one another. They they can't all be considered, and they are though, they but they shouldn't all be considered middle class because the, the, the class system is, um, what's the word I want to use? It, it's, it's not, I think it's just really, it's just not fair. It's just not fair because you might look at somebody and say, oh, they're a middle class, so they can do this and they can do that or they can afford this and they can afford that. But it's not necessarily true. It's not necessarily true. In today's environment, it's it's most um, healthy and and almost necessary that people have more than one stream of income. It's really important, especially to a family, a family at minimum, you need an income from um, if you have a, a, a dual parent, you need an income from both of them at minimum. But even as an individual, as a as a parent, even if that, if you're a single parent or just a single person by yourself, you probably need um, a, a dual income. So people are working full time and starting up businesses or running a little something on the side or always doing something else that's going to provide for their family and bring in income. I don't think it should be a struggle for a family to go on vacation or it should be a struggle for a family to, you know, to take their, their family out to dinner. So those are some things that as a child, I never experienced as a child, as a young child. It wasn't until I was much older that um, my family had gotten to the point where that we could do that. Uh, but it was, you know, it was very different by then because now my siblings are, are young adults themselves. So it was very different. But I think that families should be able to do some things that we see as, as basic or as even as necessity. If you think about it, vacations are a necessity. If you want to combat um, depression, if you want to combat um, oppression, they are or stress. They are a necessity. It's not just um, something that the rich people are able to do. It should be something that all people are able to do, especially if you are considered or a part of the middle class, regardless if your family is the size of one or if your family is the size of eight, there should be an opportunity somewhere, somehow that you're able to, to provide for your family um, of all that you need. And you should be able to take your family out to dinner. Um, and not just um, have to settle for buying a pizza or settle for um, just buying some sandwiches and, and eating at home. And even though all those things are great and wonderful and, and you get a lot of family time in, that's one. See, one thing that um, 
I remember in growing up and in my background is that we never considered ourselves as poor. We never considered ourselves as that. And it almost wasn't until I went to college to to see how other people live. And I remember taking um, a, a class of um, uh, social inequality and we had um, there were some questions in there about income levels and family levels and where we had to say how much we thought a family um, made. And um, the answer that I gave was the closest because everyone else was given all these higher, higher level incomes because they based it on their own experience. And again, I based mine on my own experience, but also just knowing what families, hardworking families are doing. So this was a, a working class family and what they made at that day and time um, was, was very close to the, the poverty level or sometimes even below. So with that experience, God has brought me to have a heart for people who are working very hard and may not be progressing financially. So he, with the skills that he's given me both with my, my bachelor's degree in sociology and in labor studies, and then my master's degree in nonprofit management, um, and 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 uh, with business background to use that experience as well as the work experience to help people to get ahead or to do their business a little bit better. And every time when I coach people, I always talk to them about I use Christian and faith-based principles. And a lot of the information that I give people comes directly from the Lord. Sometimes it could be the Holy Ghost dropping an idea right in that moment that is very specifically for this person. And I don't know why he chose me to do it. <laughs> All I can tell you is that um, when you love people, and you love God, it will all come together. And you have to just keep that first, that you love people because God loves people and God cares about people. So he He wants to be able to support and help people. And he needs us. He needs our hands, our feet. He needs us to be in certain places at certain times. He needs us to use our mouth, our voice to so that we can speak to people and bring them, um, maybe encourage them, inspire them and, and help them along the way so that they can do a little bit better as they um, continue on with their life and or with their business experience. Okay. okay. All right. Oh, wonderful. Thank you, my Thank sister. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, Bye. you're welcome. Um, just a pleasure. I've, um, I'm so glad to be introduced to your audience of writers and become a part of your community, too. <laughs> That's right. You, you, well, you've always been part of the community. Okay. Wonderful. Yes. All right. Be safe. You. If you find value in Smart Talks with One Smart Lady, please go to One Smart Lady Productions and subscribe to the community. For today, this is Deborah Smart, One Smart Lady in Publishing Services, saying, be blessed and just right.